If you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's infallible and inerrant word, the place where you find real truth. A, fr- a passage I'm sure that's familiar to all of us. The opening part of the gospel according to St. John from the third chapter reads, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, that means teacher, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one else can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's, let's listen to that again. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, you can count on it. That's what it means. It's for real. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most surely I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wills. From whence it comes and to where it goes, you do not know. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. May the Lord God bless the hearing and the understanding of this His Word. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. I am convinced that we live in a time of confusion. Um, I, I see that utter confusion as I look at what's going on in the nation. I, I hear, I see confusion as what's going on in the life of many churches. And therefore, it is important that the church of Jesus Christ, a true church, understand Scripture and be faithful to the doctrines to which it which it receives from the scriptures. And today I want to talk to you upon that which is absolutely necessary. Some years ago I was talking to a, a minister of, a, of one of the so-called liberal churches. I question if they're churches at all, but, but he was, I was asking him about the new birth. He says, well, we leave the preaching of that up to you evangelicals. Said that our church approaches things differently. Our church... Uh, believes that unless you're involved in social justice and doing those kinds of works, that, that that's what's important, and that's what defines the real church. And I said, brother, where did you get that teaching? Where did you get the teaching that it's what we do that is essential? What is essential is what God does. And God defines, not man, God alone defines what is true and false, what is the way of salvation, and what is not. And I remind us all today to be clear as Christians as our witness in the world, there is no other name, says the Bible, 
whereby men are saved, and that includes women too, whereby men are saved except Jesus Christ. Can we affirm that with an amen? amen? Now then, how do we come to salvation? How do we come into the kingdom of God? How do we do it? I have a friend that I read on Facebook. Some of you may have seen the post that I put up about the Wizard of Oz on Facebook this week. Did anybody see that? Said, uh, talking about the Wizard of Oz, and this person says, you know, I, I, I never understood how a person could speak without having a brain referencing, of course, the scarecrow. And she said, until I started reading Facebook. And, and there's some truth there sometimes, I think. Some truth there, I think. But, but today, I want us to understand, understand rightly how a person comes into the kingdom. Now, this a ruler of the Pharisees was enamored of what Jesus had said. He, he, he knew that Jesus was from God. He had seen the miracles that he'd worked. He'd seen the healings. And yet, there is some... Uh, you know, kids, y'all have to do peer pressure a lot. Sometimes adults have to. Uh, I was always the cause of peer pressure. I never was. But, but under peer pressure, he came at night because he didn't want his fellow Pharisees to, to, to know that he had come to see Jesus because so many of them were critical of him. And he came to the night and he confessed that Jesus was from God and, and, and he's talking to him. And Jesus begins the conversation in a rather puzzling way to him. He says, except the man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And understandably, Nicodemus is, is puzzled by that. He's not yet thinking on the level to which Jesus is speaking. And Nicodemus says, how is this possible that a man could be born again? Can he enter again into his mother's womb and be born? And then Jesus answers in this way. He says, unless a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And of course, that reference to water is that we have to be born. You know, at the birth of a child, there's the breaking of the water. When the water breaks, you know you better, you really hope you're already at the hospital. But, but you know that a new life is coming into the world. That happens for all of us. But the second does not. He said, unless you're born of the water, you have to be a person to receive the salvation of God. And you're born of the Spirit. And that is the essential movement. Because everybody has a natural birth, not everybody has a supernatural birth. And it is the movement of the Holy Spirit that brings us to life. And when the Holy Spirit becomes present in a powerful way in the life of a person who does not know the truth of God, who does not have the, the uh, uh, citizenship of God's kingdom, that Holy Spirit has to move on them. I've had people say to me, well, I chose to follow Jesus and I got saved. I said, <laughs> uh, that's the second part. You got saved when the Holy Spirit moved on you. Unless the Holy Spirit moves, there is no new birth. 
That's a fact. That's a fact. And I can back that up with a, a lot of scripture. So it takes the move, the natural birth, but to the supernatural birth is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I have some friends that are Pentecostals. Oh, Pentecostal great people. I'm not a Pentecostal. I think there's some real weakness that points in their doctrine, or otherwise I'd be a Pentecostal. But, but uh, and if you're Pentecostal and want to talk about it, I'll lovingly tell you what you need to know. Not because I'm smart, but because that word's truth. And, uh, and uh, they said, oh, we had a great meeting last night. The Holy Spirit really came down. And I said, well, you mean a lot of sinners got converted and people were saved? Well, no, that's not, not what I meant. I knew what they meant. People were speaking in tongues and some of them running around the church and all those kinds of phenomena that are associated with the work of the Holy Spirit and they may or may not be. I don't always have the ability to judge that. But I do know what the scriptures say. I know clearly what they say when the Holy Spirit moves with power. How do I know what, it, what, I, what that's the case? Because I know what the Bible teaches. I assume you've got your Bibles with you. And if you'll turn with me to um, the Gospel of John, chapter 16. And um, the... Uh, Jesus is saying, now begin with the fifth verse and 16, but now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me where you are going because I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. And that's the Holy Spirit. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will Holy Spirit will, fully God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, remember that, fully God, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Those things happen. When one experiences the new birth, one experiences the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit speaking to them, and it convicts them of their sin. I remember clearly the night that I was born from above. I remember clearly a number of things about that. But the first thing I remember clearly is that I was made aware of the depth of my sin and the great offense I was to the righteousness of God. The old timers call it coming under conviction. We don't come under conviction anymore much because people really uh, have no sense of sin. Anything goes today, they think. But I remember that that happens, and, and, and every person who, who has come to life in Christ will tell you that, that Christ convicted them of their sin. 
when you look at your life before the holiness of Christ, before the holiness of Christ. I told a person the other day that was listing some of your all's faults to me. People do that all the time. Lost people do that. And, uh, and some of those things may have been true and some may not have been true. I know, I know some things about you you think I don't know, just like I know you know some things about me I think you don't know. But, but I said to that person, I said, let me tell you something, brother. You've got this all wrong. It's not about following the followers. It's about following the leader. And I want to ask you, before the holiness of Christ, how does your life measure up? You see, when the Holy Spirit comes... He convicts us of our sin because he brings us into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you this, that any person that sees the holiness of Christ and looks to their own life cannot help but be convicted that they are a great sinner. And I would dare say this morning, if you have not been made aware of of the greatness of the sins in your life, I would be concerned if you've ever come into the presence of Christ. Because you see, the Holy Spirit does that. He convicts us of our sin. At the new birth, the Holy Spirit convinces us of the righteousness of Jesus. It is no longer the great teachings of the rabbis in which we find significance or of some preacher in which we find significance. We find significance in the righteousness of Christ. He is our Lord. And our master. And to him alone. We want to come. And to him alone. We want to serve. And through him alone. Do we want to serve others. I preach a whole message about that. But I'm not going to. Because I only have one sandwich. And. and um, but. But. You know, we, this happens because the Spirit moves on us and convinces us that Jesus is the Lord. I remember clearly that night. I knew for sure Jesus was the Lord. He was my hope. And if I was going to be saved, it would be only through him. Holy Jesus reveals to us the judgment of the world and of his sinful ways. Born again. Convicted of the depth of your sin. Convinced that Christ's righteousness is, only, is your only hope. Him alone justifies you. I can't forgive my own sins. You can't forgive your own sins. You could never do enough to earn your salvation. You could never do enough to, to uh, uh, pile up enough good works to save yourself. I used to, when I was preaching in India, I would tell about karma. You know, karma, 
I I don't believe in karma. I think it's a lie. But uh, but they they say, well, you know, if I do enough good works, maybe I can outweigh the the, the sin, and and maybe maybe God will accept me. That's not the way it works. The Bible says, only the righteous shall see God. And in our own power, none of us are ever righteous. Did you know that? The only real righteousness we have is that which the Lord gives us through his grace. The only righteousness we have is not that which we've attained, but that which we've been given through his shed blood on the cross. And so we see Christ as our only way. And what does righteousness really mean? Righteous means being right with God. That's what it means. Really right with God. And the only way we ever have that righteousness is through the righteousness that Christ bestows on us when he forgives us of our sins. You can write that down. That's a fact. And you realize that, 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 that Christ is the Lord. Your salvation is dependent upon him, not upon yourself. All evil is judged and condemned in a life by what we see in Christ. You know, much higher standard than the world standard. You know, the world uh, judges as men judge. But we are judging the world as Christ judges. The world has no requirement, they might hope you are, but no requirement that we show mercy and love. Jesus says anytime we don't do that, we're sinning, doesn't he? And he says he's sinning. So you see what I'm saying? That Christ in his way judges what is evil and what is good. And when we are born again, we see that. Christ becomes our standard and our hope in life. He becomes the measure of all things for us. You know. And you only watch the, listen, I watch a lot of the, the British shows on PBS. There's one on there called Doc Martin. Anybody here ever seen Doc Martin? Let me tell you a dark, deep secret about my soul. Doc Martin's attitude is my attitude that I have to condemn and come against all the time. <laughs> I have a problem with uh, really overcoming bluntness. He's blunt, isn't he? My dear friend, who was a great teacher of my soul, once said to me, Gerald, said, there is nothing wrong with calling a spade a spade, but you have the propensity to call it a damn shovel, and you need to stop that. (laughs) When the Holy Spirit comes into our life by the new birth, Our standard is not the natural standard. Our standard is the supernatural standard that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Can I get an amen? Amen. When Christ comes into our life, we're not perfect at that point. Probably will not be perfect until we uh, get to heaven. But... but, um, but, uh, he comes into our life, and, and I always say that the new birth, that true salvation, affects both a qualitative change in our life, 
What do we mean by that? We mean that our life be- becomes different. We, we, we forgive our enemies. We, we, uh, we turn away from uh, the lust of the world and, and we start to do those things. They don't arrive perfectly, of course, but, but that qualitative change comes into our life. Alcoholics quit drinking. Here comes a painful one. Gossipers quit gossiping. People who are judging others cease to do that and become more important about and concerned about judging themselves. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, there are qualitative changes. As Paul says, you're no longer that old man, or scared to use this, forgive me, old woman, I don't mean to think about age there, that you were. And every person that's been saved can bear witness to that because there were things in their life they loved before that they now hate. There were things they used to do before now that they strive with all their heart not to do. A qualitative change. And there is a quantitative change. Every person that is born again is quantitatively changed. That means there's something that has come into your life, into your being, that you did not have before. And you know what that is? The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in your heart. As Paul says, know you not that your body is the what? Temple of the Holy Spirit. That God himself comes to dwell in you. My ancestry way back there, the, when, when the Sanders and sometimes I hate to scare you, cousin, but sometimes they spelled it with a U, they lived in North Carolina. They settled first up around uh, um, Greensboro, and they were Quakers. And in 1776, they all got kicked out of the Quaker church because they fought in the Revolution. The churches were strict about what they believed in those days. But, but, but I could never be a, 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 a Quaker in the sense that that Mr. Fox, the founder of the movement, talked about because he said, we all have the spark of the divine in us. We don't. The Bible says we're totally depraved. What's that mean? We are totally sinful and lost. That's what it says. But when you're born again, God adds himself into your life through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we know the presence of the Holy Spirit, don't we? We know when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, sometimes to to warn us and, uh, about things we're thinking about or doing that are wrong and are against God's will. The Holy Spirit comes in to con- convince us and assure us. We go through troubles. Everybody goes through troubles. Everybody. Sorry, Joel Osteen. Everybody goes through troubles. And sometimes those troubles are not resolved in the way you hope they will be resolved. Did you know that? I've stood beside precious loved ones dying. And with all my heart, I wanted them to live. 
but they did not live. But even in those moments, the Holy Spirit within me assured me that he was in control. See, that comes to live in our heart. How many felt happy today worshiping? I felt happy. You didn't feel happy today, there's something wrong with you. You're probably worried about that roast and that I'll preach too long and it'll burn. But the, the thing is that, that, that that's the Holy Spirit bearing witness within us of the presence of God in this place. So the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us when we are born again. So we're qualitatively different and we're quantitatively different. And how does this happen? Jesus says this, it happens because the Spirit blows where it will. Your new birth came about because God chose to blow His Spirit upon you and to move you to faith. You see, the new birth comes from God and God alone. We can't birth ourselves, can we? And God in His gracious, this is why the preaching of the gospel is so important. Someone, some members of our church uh, reposted something uh, past week, and it disturbed me a little bit because of suggestions of what churches ought not not to do. Uh, some of you may have seen that. And then at the end of it, it was uh, the, the writer was saying, you know, churches ought not to, to, to preach. They ought to have more discussion sessions where people uh, are called to deal with. That is rubbish. Paul says clearly, how shall they hear without a preacher? The preaching of the word. The preaching of the word. And when God's word is preached, when his spirit speaks, it speaks to people. It spoke to me that night. Praise God, it spoke to me that night. Praise God, I was there not by my choice, but by his. Praise God that he convicted me of what a terrible sinner I was. And my friends, I was a terrible sinner. And now except for the grace of Christ, so would I be today. Praise God for the preaching of the word where I heard, unless you repent, you'll be lost. Praise God for that. The new birth happens when the gospel is pronounced and announced and proclaimed. And the Holy Spirit will move upon those and cause them to hear it. And they will repent of their sins. They will acknowledge Christ as the way, the truth, and the life for them. And they will know that that which is contrary to Christ is evil. And that which is like him is righteous. And that is something that God's Spirit and God's Spirit alone does in our life. You see, being born again is not optional. It's absolutely necessary. And unless that happens, we will not be in the kingdom. But as Dr. Billy Graham is, is so, so faithful in announcing that Jesus says, Come to me, whosoever will. You see, that's God's gracious announcement to you. There may be some here in this room today who have never really received the Holy Spirit, 
have never really been born again, who have never really acknowledged they're a sinner, who have never been convinced that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, the only life, who have never said from now on I see the world differently, I see the world as evil, where Christ is absent, I see it as good and holy where he is present. There may be some here today. I'll never forget preaching one time in a church up in western Pennsylvania. It was way out in the country, but it was a giant church. It had over a 1,000 people at worship. And we were having a discussion one time. Now listen to this. It's important for you to hear this. We were having a discussion one time. And we had a beautiful young woman. She was 28 years old, a successful lawyer. And she said, I am 28 years old. But in reality... I am two years old. Or she said, two years ago, I was made aware that I was lost. And the Holy Spirit led me to Christ that I may be found. My father told me when I began the ministry, and I found this to be invariably true, he, he'd been a, a deacon in our church for longer than Moses was alive probably. And... And he said to me, he said, he said, son, never make the mistake, listen to this, never make the mistake of thinking because a person's name is on the church roll, it's also on the Lamb's book of life. He says those are two entirely different books. Now, there are a lot of people whose names on the roll of the church that are on the Lamb's Book of Life, I want to say. But to be a member of the church is no guarantee that you are saved. The only guarantee you have is that if you've been led to that point of conversion and been born again in the Holy Spirit. That's the only guarantee you have. But if you have that guarantee, you have a guarantee that is absolute with power and irrevocable. Now, people say to that, well, I've seen so-and-so come to the altar, and they were weeping. They said to accept Jesus, and then it went away, and they sinned forever. I said, that, that person, had all he had was a misty-eyed moment at the altar. Because when you really are saved, the Holy Spirit will come into your life, and it will change you how? Qualitatively and quantitatively. Doesn't mean believers don't sin, but it means they'll hate sin. Unless you have been convicted of your sin. To hate it and see it for the evil it is. Unless you have truly received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When I say that, it's both Lord and Ruler over my life. Savior, the one who saved me forever. Unless you understand good and evil, not in terms of right and wrong, but in terms of Jesus who is the only right and all else is wrong. I seriously doubt you have been born again. According to the Bible, But here's the good news. Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you sincerely call upon his name, you'll, he will be saved. You'll have the Holy Spirit come into your life. 
He'll change you. And he'll give you peace like you've never known. Have you been born again? If you want a new life, it's available today. The Holy Spirit is moving in this church by the power of his word, not by me. Jesus said, whosoever comes to me, I will not turn away. Wow. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are heavily laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my way, my truth, my being. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light and my way is easy. You and you alone know whether you have been born again. I pray that if you have not, don't be embarrassed. Nothing to be embarrassed about. If you've not accepted Christ, there's more people in the world like you now. So don't be embarrassed. That was the state, that was the state of this godly man, uh, Ray Doss, spiritual leader of the church, before he came to Christ, right, Ray? And the most glorious thing that ever happened in your life was coming to him, right? Amen. We're all that way. Every one of us are, are unworthy sinners touched by the grace of God. And if today's the day that you want to really give your life to Jesus, come whosoever will. If the Holy Spirit is moving you, know that it is he moving you and let nothing stand in your way. You may never have another opportunity like today. Come, whosoever will, to be born again today. Not by the water, that's already heaven for all of you but by the Spirit.